Today, we bring you audio from the Embracing Autism IRL video podcast series. Welcome to Embracing Autism IRL. In this video series, we interview guests from a variety of backgrounds who are all linked together through autism. From advocates to therapists to parents and autistic adults, this series will take a well-rounded approach to sharing diverse perspectives on autism spectrum disorder. Our guests are encouraged to speak freely and be their authentic selves when discussing controversial yet critical topics in the autism community. If you'd like to watch the full unedited video of our interview-style podcast spinoff, Embracing Autism IRL, please subscribe to our YouTube channel of the same name and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Wish. New episodes release monthly. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Embracing Autism IRL. Today, I have Don M. Barclay with me. Don is an award-winning author who spent a career working in different aspects of the travel industry. Starting as an agent with her parents' firm's Barclay Travel Limited and Barclay International Group short-term apartment rentals, she then branched out into travel trade reporting with senior or contributing editor positions at Travel Agent Magazine, Travel Life, Travel Market Report, and most recently, Insider Travel Report. She's a mother of two and resides in New York's scenic Hudson Valley. She also writes fiction as DM Barr and holds leadership roles in several writer organizations. Hi, Don. Hey, Leah. Thank you for remembering the M. Everybody always leaves out my middle initial, and I don't know why, but thank you for getting it. <laughs> am I am I allowed to ask you what the middle name is? Yeah, it stands for Madeline, and I know people think, oh, Madeline, it's L-O-N. My mother oh. named me after a, a Madeline Mason, who was a uh, model in the 50s, and I've only met one person with that name. A girlfriend of mine's daughter is named that. So, I've never heard of that name. That is so unique. That's cool. Thanks. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> so, Don, tell me a little bit about the work that you do and how your role involves parents in the autism community. Well, I have written this book as an offshoot of, you know, many, many years in travel writing. At 20, it's in the beginning of the early 2000s, I saw there was a need for this book and it didn't exist. I needed it. And I'm happy that I was able to finally put it together as a resource for the parents in the autism community. It was uh, something that I started, as I said, in the early 2000s when there wasn't any information around. And I was able to interview people like Dr. Tony Atwood, who's very big in ASD circles, and uh, Dr. Ellen Lippman, who's very big in ADHD circles. And then I kind of hit a wall because the, the information just wasn't there and I wasn't sure who to interview. And it wasn't until 2017 when uh, the IBCCES, which stands for the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, came up with a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional that I knew exactly how I could write the book. Those uh, people who have dedicated their practice to helping people on the spectrum are mostly special needs parents themselves. So they shared their experiences and shared their clients with me who were willing to speak with me. So I, I had a wealth of information and a lot more information on the internet in you know the late 2019, 2020 to, to finish the book. So I'm curious, what was that thing that just initially sparked your interest in autism travel? It seems like such a unique combination. And before you, I haven't really met anyone who combined those two. Well, I, you know, the thing about the book is it's called, my book is called Traveling Different Vacation Strategies for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. You know, if you had children who were anxious and inflexible, it's just as helpful for them as people on the spectrum. 
And I had children who were not easy to travel with. And after spending a lifetime traveling, I, I wasn't intending to stop. So it was important for me to find methods that would help. Also, when you're somewhat of an entrepreneur and you see an opening in the marketplace, you jump on it. What is it that you've heard from parents that might be the biggest stress when it comes to traveling with autistic or neurodivergent children? In 2018, the same organization, IBCCS, did a survey of a thousand special needs parents to find out what their attitudes were toward travel. And they found out that 87% just won't travel at all. And of those, 93% said they would if they knew where to go and what to do. Another good reason for writing the book. Now, that survey was updated in 2022. And what was interesting is that the 87% number went down to 78%, which is great. 9% more special needs parents were willing to travel. And I went back to IBCC, yes, and I asked why they thought that was true. And they said, because there's so much credentialing, so much more education out there and people eager to credential, educating credential uh, venues, hotels, attractions, theme parks, what have you, as either certified autism centers or autism-friendly destinations. My personal experience with interviewing parents was that the number one reason they didn't want to travel is they were scared of what people would think of them if their child went into a sensory meltdown. You know, would they think they were bad parents? Would people think their children were brats? I think that's a terrible Thing to worry about what other people think when there's a whole world out there for you to enjoy. But I also think the entire experience is intimidating because my, my book is really a checklist of what to do. I mean, it's 344 pages of what to do and strategies for the most part. And without that kind of checklist, it can seem overwhelming to consider every possibility of what might happen on a vacation and prepare for it, which is why it's great to have that resource. Yeah, honestly, preparing for travel in general is challenging and stressful. So you throw in autistic kiddos or neurodivergence, and it's even more frustrating. I know I definitely am one of those parents. Matt and I try to avoid traveling at all costs. And when we do, it's pretty much just through car. Like, we don't fly. <laughs> we don't uh -huh. fly. Uh -huh. So I can totally relate with those parents. What are the first steps that you think a parent should take if they would like to plan a vacation with their child? Is there some sort of like blueprint to what they should do? Absolutely. So it's important first to introduce the child to the concept of travel. And there are a lot of different ways you can do that, starting with getting picture books with their favorite characters and travel situations. You can do role play. You can do social stories, which I'm sure your your listeners are very familiar with. Um, and thank goodness for video, because if you have a trip planned, you can preview every aspect of that trip via YouTube or from videos offered by the supplier. So the child is familiar already because children are creatures of habit. They, they thrive on predictability and children on the spectrum, even more so than children who are, are neurotypical. So it's really important to do everything you can to make that trip as predictable as possible. So it's, there are no surprises. So it's a matter of planning out every aspect of the trip ahead of time too, and, and having contingency plans if things don't go as you had hoped they would. Um, so after, you know, doing those, those various aspects that I just mentioned, you can also do um, mini experiences. And I know uh, one of the questions you, you plan to ask is about, should you take shorter trips before you take longer ones? Because she sent me the questions in advance, folks. 
<laughs> and which is always a good thing. And uh, so, yes, and, and a lot of that preparation is before you're going to take a long car trip, maybe take a short one before you take a long train ride, take a commuter ride. Uh, you know, if I was going to go on a cruise, maybe take a ferry ride first, you know, just so the child gets a sense of what it's all about. And there are ways to preview air travel and a hotel stay. For example, for a hotel stay, why not stay one night at a local hotel or at a friend's house, a very understanding friend with a free bedroom, so you can see where any of the triggers lie, because that child might not have ever spent a night away from their own home and their own bedroom. So by spending a night and say in a friend's home, you're going to see where the triggers lie, whether the child needs a fan to block out sounds from the hallway, or whether they need a nightlight, or whether they need you to bring the sheets and blankets from home with the familiar smell of home. So don't wash them in advance. Same thing with toiletries. They might be familiar with those, but they may not like the smell of what's you know at the hotel. So you're going to see right away what you should plan for, which is a lot better to do in a one night stay locally than when you're spending thousands of dollars on a hotel stay in a foreign city. That is so true. I wanted to just really quickly circle back to something that you said. You mentioned about autism certified travel and locations. Can you just explain briefly what that means? Absolutely. So there are various organizations that are certifying destinations. Um, in my book, I list them as CAC, which is Certified Autism Center, or AF, which is Autism Friendly. Certified Autism Center says that the location has had the training of IBCCES, who have very stringent education standards, and they tell people how to set up sensory rooms and teach people how to, be, uh, how to have empathy when working with people on the spectrum and what those people need. So that's a very standardized education and they get that designation. AF, autism friendly, can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, whether they're trained by the organizations that currently exist, such as the Champion Autism Network or Culture City or Sensory City, uh, even Autism Speaks is getting into the act. Then there's going to be, again, a standard of education. But there are some destinations that just say, yeah, we're autism friendly, with, and it doesn't mean the same thing necessarily as the other places. So what's really important when you travel and if you take a place that's listed in my book or you find one somewhere else is to call that destination and ask what that designation means and find out if what they offer is what your child needs since every child is different. Find out if what they offer is actually offered all the time because there are some museums that have a low sensory afternoon one Saturday a month and it might not be the Saturday you're in town. It's always important for a parent to do their due diligence. So I know you also mentioned a few things like social stories and preparing in advance. Are there any other tips that you can give for parents who are trying to plan out travel with a kid who seems to be really anxious or maybe like a highly sensory seeking kid? So maybe one of those wigglers or somebody who can't sit still. There's a lot of different children. I, I think to start with, you're never going to spring a trip on a child. You're always going to prepare in advance. You don't surprise them. You plan everything out. You might prepare and, and show them a visual schedules if they you know, are able to follow in another way. You can at least show them what's going on. And if this doesn't happen, then we'll be doing this. So the child is prepared. Based on your child, you're going to want to bring along your go-to bag that's going to have the sort of things they need, whether it's 
noise canceling headphones and uh, electronics filled with their favorite movies and shows, or whether it's fidget toys or um, their favorite snacks, you're just going to have everything on hand. And there's a list in the book of all the things that you might need, and you'll have some of your own. There's again, role play. If you have a wiggler, you might show them set up at home, a you know, a mock airplane with the seat in front and you're in back. And you tell the child they're not supposed to kick the seat in front of them, which I'm sure the passengers in front of them on the plane are really going to appreciate. And you might also bring, you know, get a, a toy remote control so they can press buttons so they're not pressing the attendant button. You know, and when you get on that plane, you're going to want to speak to the stewardess or, sorry, the flight attendant and make sure they know that the child might have a tendency to have a sensory meltdown, at least explain what the possibilities might be so that they're not taken by surprise. So do you think letting the staff know ahead of time before you board a flight or wherever it is you may be going? Yeah, it's really important. In fact, there is uh, IBCCES along with um, certifying destinations. They also set, as I said before, certified travel professionals as CATP or certified autism travel professionals. And if you work with one of those uh, agents, they are going to um, let everybody along the line know whether it's the airline or it's the hotel you're staying at or the transfers. They're going to let them know that you have a child with uh, specific invisible disabilities so that those people are prepared to help. Okay. And in your opinion, do you think that there are any advantages or disadvantages to different traveling modes? Have you seen that maybe some are more accommodating than others or anything like that? Well, I think car travel is easiest because you're in charge and you decide when you're going to start and stop and where you're going to go along the way and you can create your own itinerary. And also you have a lot more space for anything you want to bring, such as the child's toys, or as we said before, the blankets and sheets and whatever else you need. So I think that's a great way to start. I know that Amtrak has also very liberal rules as a, for being able to bring along extra baggage that you might not have as, well, certainly not as cheaply on an airplane. With Amtrak, you can walk down the aisles. You're not stuck in one place. You're not going to have that ability on a bus or an airplane to keep walking around. So those might be good ways to start. But there are certainly many parents who have no issue with airplanes. They start early. They take programs like are offered by the ARC. There's a Wings for Autism program, which will walk you through as a dress rehearsal from arriving at the airport all the way to boarding. So that's a great program to look for. Uh, if you call the airline involved, they may let you come and they will give you a tour of the airport as well. There's an organization called TSA Cares that if you call, and, and this varies depending on the airport you're at, but uh, in the best situation, they'll have somebody come out and shadow you and help you through the more difficult parts of the airport, like security, when you get pat down mm -hmm. and all that. So there are absolutely ways to cruising as well is a way to unpack once so the child doesn't get taken from hotel to hotel. You're staying in one room the whole time. It's usually big enough that there's um, a lot of different places to go and things to try. Um, and if you're traveling with children that are not on the spectrum, there's enough to keep them busy too. And the kids clubs on board the major liners have had the training for people on the spectrum. So they know how to work with you, which would give you and your partner a little respite as well, if you're not always with the child. 
there is an organization or a company called um, Autism on the Seas that plans group holidays for people on the spectrum. So if you want to meet other parents in similar situation, swap notes, feel you know camaraderie, that might be an option as well. Yeah, I've heard of Autism on the Seas, and people say a lot of good things about them. I'll have to check them out sometime once yeah. I, I can brave the sea. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you talk about in your book kind of like the differences between day trip preparation versus preparing for an extended vacation. Is there a big difference between planning for the two? Is it fairly similar? What's the nuance between those two? Well, a day trip, you're going to have to plan much less because it's it's a very short period of time. I think a day trip is a great way to start. If you start early and and go to the zoo or to an aquarium or even a scavenger hunt at a flea market, call it a tour. You're going to give your child a preview to what a, a tour will really be like when you take a longer vacation. But, you know, it's a limited amount of time and patience and you're just testing the waters, which I think is an awfully good idea to start. Do you think that traveling is really important for the special needs community? I'm trying to gauge where this passion might have come from, because it seems like you're very invested in travel for the disability community, which is really great. But I'm just curious. I'm, I'm, I think travel is important for everybody. I think it's important to be a global citizen. I think that people deserve to see the world. I think there'd be a lot less bias in the world if people traveled and understood what other cultures were like and their 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 culture isn't necessarily the only one. Uh, so I think that it's always important and um, you know to have new experiences. Why are you going to want to sit at home your whole life and keep your child from really experiencing the world? You shouldn't be penalized because the child has an invisible disability, you might find that all of you are able to do much more than you thought. That is so true. I know like for us, right before we had our kids, we had our first, um, my first out of country travel to Wales. And it was definitely mind blowing. It's kind of like characteristic building because you really do learn how the other side of the world lives or how other people live. And it's really interesting. I never thought that it would be possible to take my kids back there. We are in the process of kind of thinking like, is that ever going to be possible? But I don't know, maybe with your book, there's some tips in there that we can use that will make that possible one day. Our kids are kind of young right now, so maybe not yet. But who knows? I guess we're crossing our fingers. Well, I hope that's true. I, I hope you get to travel with them because I think that there's a bond that will grow between you as you travel that you know, is a wonderful thing. Um, I grew up in a travel family, as you read from my bio. So it was in my blood from, I mean, I was in Cannes at age two for the ASTA convention and I they kept going. And my, my, my grandparents were in England, so we were always traveling to England. Uh, my mother hated to fly, so we usually sailed transatlantic to do that. Um, but you know, my, my father used to run tours and my grandmother would go and I would, at those times you could actually go on a plane to say goodbye to people. That's nothing that happens anymore, but they actually had people come on the airplane or in the cruise line, they would get to go on the cruise ship just to have a bon voyage party. And I used to just be so jealous that they were going and I wasn't going to get to go. And I thought I'm going to one day go everywhere. So. That's so funny. Oh, man. So it's interesting that that's where you ended up kind of pursuing like your career and everything. 
yeah. keeping it in the family, right? Like that's a tradition. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm very grateful to my to my parents for introducing me to travel because I think it just has made my life complete. I've been very blessed. Yeah. And I do think that that's why it is important to talk about travel when it comes to the special needs community. Because for a lot of us, it doesn't even feel like a realistic possibility. My husband and I, we travel by car everywhere. Mm-hmm. Anything is a road trip. And if it's too far, we don't go. So I know that for us, it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle for a lot of families. So I really appreciate you sharing this information with us. I wanted to ask you if there's anything else that you would like to share that I perhaps did not already ask you or give you the opportunity. There's just such a lot in the book. There's information on camping. So it's not all about very expensive travel. There is information on camping. There's information, again, on road trips. There's information on restaurants and how to handle a restaurant stay. I think it's important to also create a child-centric vacation, and that is an element of going at the pace that your child can handle. So it might be that um, instead of doing six things a day, which you might have done when you were before you had children, now you do one or two and then spend the rest of the day either in front of the TV or in front of uh, at the pool. And it might not have been the vacation you planned, but it's the vacation that's going to create a memory for your child because they're not all overwhelmed with everything that's going on. And I also think that part of a child-centric vacation is building the vacation around the child. Some parents give, you know, do their research, pick maybe three destinations they want to go to that will work for them. And then they let the child pick which one, because now you have a child who has a vested interest in the success of that trip because they picked it. And also to make sure now many children, the majority of children on the spectrum has special circumscribed interests that take up a lot of their time. So if your child is obsessed with dinosaurs, why aren't you going on a trip that includes some dinosaur museums? And that's, I've, my chapter 16 is all about those special interests, whether they're dinosaurs or, or quarries, or gems. Uh, there's even, I, I have a, a friend whose child is obsessed with elevators. So I included like grain elevators that you could visit. And, and this can make the trip really, really special for your child. Do you have any suggestions or recommendations on how a parent could find these sorts of like travel locations? Like if they were interested in dinosaurs or caves or things like that, are you familiar with any place that they could go to kind of find that information? I'm hoping that my next set of books will be all about that. I'm waiting to hear back from my publisher. But I I think if it's a good start to go into, into that chapter in my book. Uh, whether you buy it or whether you get it at your library. And I do recommend that you ask your library to stock it because that way people who can't afford it can have access to it. Google is your friend as well. And uh, if you find a place that is of interest to you, then it's important to write to them or call them and ask them if they have a sensory room or a setup. Like many places, especially theme parks now are are getting the signage they need to indicate where the different smells are and the bright lights and the, you know, if there's a problem with strobes and where there's a quiet area to decompress. So that's why it's really important. Speak to your CATP or your travel professional, research things like my book. Uh, and, and also if you go to autismtravel.com, they have a list of the newly certified places from IBCCES. So that's a really good place to check as well. Just if you have special interest uh, museums that you're looking for, I think that Atlas Obscura online, and I, I list that as a resource in my book, is a good place to uh, 
to research and find those museums. Could you give me kind of just like an overview of what sorts of things people can find in your book? Sure. So I start with the information that I gave you about starting small and how to prepare the child for travel. And there was more involved than what I was able to get this short interview. Uh, and then I talk about how to get to places, whether, you know, different modes of transportation and how to handle them, and then where to stay. And then because you one day have to leave your room, where you can go when you're there to explore. It's really about what destinations are autism-friendly or certified, but also how to make any vacation better for your child with invisible disabilities by following the guidelines. And what's the name of your book? It's called Traveling Different, Vacation Strategies for the Anxious for Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. And if you go to my website, which is travelingdifferent.com, you will find not only a blog that updates and supplements the book, but also uh, information on where to get the book, different interviews, if people want me to speak either virtually in person to uh, their organization, special needs organization, happy to do that. All that's on the, in the site. And uh, where can listeners find you and your book if they wanted to purchase it or if they just wanted to follow you on social media? Yeah, there it's in... Um, Amazon. It's at the publisher, which is Roman and Littlefield. It's at Barnes and Noble. Any uh, independent bookstore will have it on their website, if not in on the shelves. Again, all those links are on my site. And I'm on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. I think I'm in Instagram too, traveling different. So I'm around and I try to uh, retweet anything that I see that's of interest to the community and publish it on Facebook too. So any stories I see that come out every day, I, I try to copy and put there as a resource for the community. Awesome. Well, everybody, you heard that. Go ahead and give her a follow. That sounds like an awesome book. I'll probably be checking it out myself because we're, again, stuck not traveling because we can't because we can't figure it out. So definitely we'll take a read there. Thank you, Dawn, so much for coming on to our podcast. I really think that this is going to help our audience out. Hopefully you guys listening out there or watching will pick up that book and enjoy traveling. Thank you so much, John. Good luck to you. Thank you. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Autism Wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.